This is the Lotus Bloom Podcast. And here is your host, Morgan Wiley. Welcome to another episode of the Lotus Bloom Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Wiley, and I'm excited you're here because today is a very special day. I am excited to bring to you a new guest, and not only do we get to hear from her, she is here in the Red Cabin studio with me, and I am so excited about that. So I would like to introduce to you a very longtime friend of mine. Now, I was thinking about this and realizing that we have been friends since 1997. Yes. Y'all, that is 23 years. Too many. Too many to count. Yes. So (laughs) this is my friend, Nicole Allen, and she is here to share with us her story of becoming a hairstylist. And she's my hairstylist, which I love and am super excited to be able to have her on the show today because not only is she super creative in all aspects of her life, but as a hairstylist, I like to think of her as an artist of a living canvas. She creates every day in all different kinds of ways for so many different people. And so today we are going to talk about that. So welcome, Nicole. Yay, thank you. I'm excited you're here. <clears throat> thank you, me too. It's very fun to be able to, you know, look at you and interact with you I while we know, speak. I know, I love it. <laughs> so why don't you give us a little background and talk about when you knew you wanted to become a hairstylist and how that came about. Sure. So I don't remember when I specifically wanted to do that. I remember seeing different hairdressers and thinking, they look really cool, or that would be super fun. And admittedly, when I was in high school, if I was having a serious emotional time, and I was upset, I would usually find myself cutting my hair in the bathroom. Really? Yeah. So I would frequently like walk out and say, well, I guess I have short hair now. (laughs) So I'm sure your mom loved that. (laughs) Yeah, she she did not always love that. But I was not afraid to to go for it. And I had several friends that at different times, you know, we'd have wild hair and say, oh my God, you should cut my hair. And I would just say, okay. And now I look back panicked and think, my God, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but um, I think that was where it sort of yeah. started and and uh, just sort of feeling brave about that. So I had had it in my mind, um, but I'd already, I had gotten married and I had kids. And so it sometimes felt like it was too late. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was 32 that I actually went back to school, as you know. And I had read a quote that said, it's never too late to become what you might have been. Love it. And I just felt emboldened Mm -hmm. to maybe dare to pursue that. And so I told my husband that I was interested and went to go check out a couple of schools and talk to people about, you know, the different options I had here in Spokane. And so I set up a time to go look at the school and Aaron was going to come with me and the kids. 
And uh, we drove out there. And of course, I had some littles and they fell asleep in the car on the way there. <laughs> so we get there and Aaron looks at me. He goes, well, I guess you're just going to just go in. And I'll stay in the car with the kids while they sleep. And so I went in and it felt like this whole new world. Mm. And it was so exciting and scary, but so exciting. Mm. And so I got a tour and all of this. And when I got back to the car, I, you know, I just was so excited. And, and Aaron was in the car and he was actually crying. And I said, is everything okay? And he said, I was watching you from the car. And when you walked in there and talked to people, you lit up. And it was like you had this whole part of you that had been just waiting. And it was like it became alive inside of you. And I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. Mm. And you have to do this. You just have to. And so we were both crying in the car. And now here in the yes. studio. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it was so, uh, such a relief mm -hmm. and so encouraging that he was so on board. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and, and for our kids... We waited until um, for another, I think it was like five or six months until the summer because Aaron's a teacher. So that way I started full time in the summer at school. And then that following year, all of our kids were into school. So um, that way I knew, you know, that it wasn't I wasn't wanting to sacrifice their childhood and their time for that. Mm -hmm. I, it just felt like the right time. So um, once I got started, you know, it was just awesome. But the kids, too, they were so excited and so encouraging. And it really felt important to be an example for them that it isn't too late mm -hmm. and to put yourself out there. And there was definitely times that was scary because suddenly I'm an adult and I'm being evaluated and I'm right. being watched and taught and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm putting myself in these positions of you know, just never been there before and I've right. done that before. And so it was nerve wracking, but every day it also felt like more parts of me were coming alive and excited. And um, just the possibilities started feeling really endless, which mm -hmm. was cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Gives me chills. And I think it's so important, like you said, for for your kids and those that you love that that they can see you pursuing your passion and something you want to do even if it is scary or uncomfortable and because it shows them that they can do it too. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, not that by any means is 30 old, but did you feel like you were one of the older ones there? Was that a, I don't know, a challenging thing on in its own? Yeah, absolutely. I was totally one of the oldest. I mean, there, <clears throat> there was only a handful of us that were really over that mid twenties age. Mm -hmm. Um, there was obviously inst some instructors that were older, but uh, as far as students, I was definitely of the older crowd, which didn't actually bother me most of the time because I feel like adult students actually have a higher success rate. You're not afraid to ask the questions. Right. I was no longer, I didn't care if I looked stupid or right. if I didn't know something. I wanted to learn. Yeah, you were there to get it done. You yes. Know you wanted to do. and Exactly. Yeah. And there was a lot of students that, you know, just sucked time and, and would be doing stupid stuff and not, you know, paying attention or whatever. And I felt like I want to take, is I want to take advantage of all the opportunities. Um, and so... I actually felt like in a lot of ways it was it was to my advantage mm -hmm. that I was a little older. It was really funny, though, because most of the students for cosmetology specifically, they come in, you know, at 18, mm -hmm. 19. 
And so I, you know, I was Nicole, she's a little older, but I felt like they still thought, you know, she's kind of cool or whatever. (laughs) Until this one (laughs) student that was saying, talking about where she had gone to school at. And we were talking and I said, oh, my husband's a teacher. And suddenly we realized that he was her middle school teacher. Oh, no. (laughs) So suddenly I went from like, oh, she's a little older to she's a thousand years old. (laughs) Which was hilarious. So that was a super funny. I went home that night and laughed hilariously because it was just, you could see her face just change suddenly. The realization of how old 32 really is was just hilarious. So that was super funny. But we, but I got to have a ton of awesome experiences and opportunities through school. And I really felt it was important to take advantage of anything I could. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go to Las Vegas and have three days of education that not everybody got to do. Um, I got to be an on stage platform artist as a student in Seattle for a hair show. And I also got to do a really big photo shoot with doing all the hair and makeup for it as well. And that was just, those were really cool yeah, opportunities really cool. that you had to put yourself out there mm. to um, get the chance to be a part of it. And I did. And so I was, and it was, it definitely was a huge added bonus. Oh yeah. So it was cool. And it, it was definitely part of what I felt like was important about and helpful about being older mm-hmm. that I was willing to put myself in, in those vulnerable states to get those opportunities mm-hmm. too. So that's really great. Yeah. When you were in school and maybe even now when things were challenging or maybe frustrating, or maybe there were even times where you felt like you weren't getting it right or really, really challenged by the things that you were learning, what drove you to keep going to not give up and to see it through? Uh, My personality is pretty competitive, but it's almost exclusively Uh, competitive with myself. So I would constantly be having competitions internally about, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm going to go home tonight and, and all day tomorrow before I go to class, I'm going to do it, you know, seven times, just how I'm supposed to do. And I would have like timing things too, competitively internally of, okay, this time I'm going to do that haircut and I'm going to do it under an hour and it's going to be perfect. Okay, this time I'm going to do that color and I'm going to have it done, you know, within this amount of time. And so I'm a nerd. And <laughs> I'm not sure I knew this about you. <laughs> yes. And I, it's just really, it's funny because it's, I don't care about competing with other people. Right. But internally, I have those kinds of competitions and I just started setting little goals like that all throughout the time. And I would ask different instructors, how long should this hmm. particular thing take? me to do like how long in the salon how Mm -hmm. long does it take and so then that would be my goal is to get to that point sometimes it would be unfair of myself to have that expectation early (laughs) in and I a lot of times had them say you know you're not coming in perfect it's okay you're not supposed to be perfect yet you know because I'd get I could get frustrated and hard on myself but it really just drove me to want to keep going and practicing until I got better and better um, it didn't deter me from wanting to do it. It usually just drove me into 
being more compulsive about it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> now you are in, you're in a salon and you are a businesswoman mm-hmm. and this is your thing and you rock at it. Thanks. But how does it feel when you finish with a client or maybe it's, it's a, a new style for somebody or something that you maybe even find might be a little bit of a challenge for you? Or do you find that things are still challenging? Yeah, there's definitely times that it can be challenging. Usually the hardest part is about tailoring it to that specific person with their specific hair. Okay. Because, um, you know, people will come in and they'll have very fine hair or very whatever. And they'll bring in this picture of somebody that has just crazy amounts of hair Mm. or has even extensions and added pieces. So a lot of that's honestly some of the hardest is trying to interpret what they'd like to what is actually reality and what's realistic Mm -hmm. and being able to communicate that without um, creating unreasonable expectations, without giving them something they don't actually want either because you also have the people that, well, I want it to look like that, but I don't really want to do anything to it to right. get it to look like that. <laughs> so I one of the things I had to really learn was it's actually more of a communication thing than mm-hmm. almost anything, which is what is it about this picture that you like? Right. And then, okay, with your hair, you know, this is what I think is possible or what would look good and building the relationship for them to you know, be at a place that they really trust me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being able to do that and have it look great and still be workable with their real life too. Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, we talk a lot about that. What's, what does your life actually look like? How much time do you have to put into it? Um, How much maintenance do you want? All of those kinds of things. But it feels great to have this great, uh, you know, you, you do all this work and you get this like finished product. It feels it's very satisfying. Yeah. It feels really uh, like in one fell swoop, you can really change someone's look so quickly mm-hmm. with that. And that's really fun. Well, that's what I was wondering. If you f- if you still or ever feel like a rush of excitement when you've created this masterpiece for someone. Yes. I mean, I know how I feel when I leave your salon and I'm like, yeah, I can conquer the world because <laughs> my hair rocks right now. That's awesome. Because <laughs> it does. It totally changes my outlook. And I know that if I am approaching that, you know, deadline and my roots are showing and I'm like, oh man, I, I feel it physically, mm-hmm. you know, that what I'm seeing, I don't want to sound vain, but it, it tends to affect how I feel. And yeah. if I know that I'm feeling like, Hey, I am put together. I am. Yeah, I'm looking good. That <laughs> I can, I can do other things. Yes. So I wasn't sure if it affected you as the stylist at all, or in similar ways. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's when you knock it out of the park, you feel it, and it feels awesome. And you, you know, you watch your person walking out the door, and they're flipping their hair, <laughs> and you can tell like they're feeling good. And that yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that because the other part is that in that time, I've also been able to get to know that person. Mm -hmm. And usually we also talk about things that are meaningful and what's happening in their life. And so when they're leaving, if they can leave a little lighter, and yes, it's only hair, it's not brain surgery, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm not actually fixing major things in their life. But when you feel good about mm-hmm. how you look or yeah. with your hair, it does 
help your outlook. And if on top of that, we can also have, I can have encouraged them in their life in that hour or two hours or three hours, Mm -hmm. that feels good too. And I absolutely care about that. And that to me is almost what matters more Mm -hmm. is that connecting with those people and being able to speak into their lives right where they are and connect in a heart kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully that they can leave feeling lighter in that way too. Mm -hmm. And I love that. That super matters to me. Yeah. And just to confirm that, I know that it does when I'm sitting there and you can share with me some of, you know, not personal details, but stories of people and their, you know, things they go through and, and I can see the care in your in your eyes and your voice, and you do you care about the people, and I I think that's such a cool thing that it's not just a job. It's yeah. you know it's it's a passion for you, but it's also um, a passion of communication with people. Yeah, it is, and it's I've had several people say too, you know, you're the longest relationship I've had. I feel honored to ha- get to have that place in people's mm-hmm. lives because in some ways. I really am. I have clients that have been married and divorced mm-hmm. and moved on to the next. Um, and I've been through that, walking through that with them, you know, and obviously through loss and through mm-hmm. joys and births and celebrations and all sorts of life events. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it before you get married, you yeah. get your hair done yeah. before you get, you know, before you have whatever celebration, you're making sure that's mm-hmm. done. So I get these really unique, special opportunities to be a part of people's journey in their life. And it really is, uh, it sounds so cheesy, but it's such an honor. No, it's not. And it's such an interesting insight to hear, you know, the flip side. Because yeah, yeah all you think, you know, you think about, I got to get my hair done before Christmas, or we have this right. work party, or I'm about to have a baby, and I know I'm not going to get out of the house for a while. Exactly. <laughs> you know, all the things that, you know, maybe we even take for granted, but that we have this connection yeah. with you, but you on the other side you do, you get to walk along that story with those people. And that's really cool. Yeah. And I think people don't always realize how much we carry Mm -hmm. for and um, because we care in the aspect of, you know, I heard about what was going on and it was hard. And I go home and think about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, more than a few times I've cried in the back room or in my car Mm -hmm. for someone else and just for what they're going through. But also, you know, exciting things. And I will absolutely text people. How did, how did surgery go? How are you feeling? I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about you and, and keep in track. I will put in my phone calendar, you know, so-and-so is having surgery this day, check in three days later, or, Mm -hmm. you know, different things because not everybody has a big community in their daily life. And so I get the opportunity to be part of that for people too. So it's, it's really cool anyway. No, that's really neat. And and I think that is, you know, special to you. Thanks. Uh, you know, not all all stylists will do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think that's a really cool part of, of who you are and how you instill that in what you do. Thank you. So you brought up some stories. Is there any story that you can share, you know, without giving away details or anything that maybe what's the most interesting story you you've come across or... Oh, I had a couple that were in their 80s when they first started coming to me. And it was a a husband and a wife. And they're just sweet. And and the gal 
reminded me of my grandma. <laughs> she'd come in and she'd say, how you doing, pud? And she'd like <laughs> pat me on the booty. And it was just so cute, right? Just like a grandma does. Yeah. And so she was so cute. And, you know, getting to know them. And the, the guy was in the military for his whole career. And uh, so as I got to know him and I'm cutting their hair, you know, little bits and pieces about their life start coming out. And one day he just drops this bomb of knowledge and says, well, you know, I was a part of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff at one point in my <laughs> career. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? And he says, yeah, you know, part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in Washington. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, he, I kind of let that go, but I'm just thinking and whirling in my mind, like, I have so many questions. So he came back about two weeks later, and I said, okay, so sit down. I have a list of questions. <laughs> And so come to find out, he was a part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff during JFK's administration. Crazy. And was on duty when JFK was killed. No. And so they have in their basement the first 10 minutes of ticker tape from <gasps> when that happened. No way. That came across the wire. Because, of course, at that time, we're talking red telephone, direct line yeah. phones on the, you know, before computers. Hmm. So it all came over the line. It was all ticker tape. It was all, you know, so he's the one that, one of the ones that got the call. And his boss over him said, you call the White House, I'll call the Pentagon. And then, you know, batten down the hatches basically and crazy. and it was just crazy i just had chills oh, and i'm sitting now. there cutting and i'm going oh my god and this guy is just 80 something and completely you'd never have any idea just a complete regular guy yeah, wow. right so and then she's telling us stories because they had young children at the time about how this other family that was in a similar position they traded babysitting. So one of them got to go to the wake and the family, mm. the other family watched all the kids and then the other went to the funeral and then they babysat all the wow. kids. And some of those practical things that we all do, right, right. for real life things, especially when you've got littles, um, it just all of a sudden made that very real, right? This this like, wow, all of these people and uh, were involved and all yeah. of those very practical things you know, we're also a part of it. So anyway, they're probably by far my most fascinating couple. Yeah, wow. And every time they'd come, they'd tell me more. You know, their parents had stories when they were kids. So the not the couple that I saw, but their parents hmm. of traveling in covered wagons. Oh, no way. And stuff. Crazy. So suddenly history is yeah. even feeling so close because it's not just this thing we read once. Oh, yeah, my great-grandfather right. once told a tale. No, they're parents. That's you know? wild. And so that was just crazy, too. So huh. it's fascinating. And that's part of what is so fascinating for me about what I do is that you have these very unassuming people. And suddenly yeah. you start hearing these really incredible stories that are so real well and you never would know I never mean, unless know. you just were in this position no. where you get to talk to these people yeah you and know, they're like in their basis. 80s just regular sweet old people that look like your grandparents yeah you know and suddenly they're telling these tales and he told us we went to dinner with them and he told us a story about how he would get picked up by helicopter and he'd have nuke codes. Oh, of course. In his, I know, in well, his briefcase. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like the kind that's um, attached to his arm, right? Like old school. My kids' eyes were like saucers. They're like, spies are real and this guy was one. 
So oh, yeah, it's like a it's, movie. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So <laughs> that part's super fun. Yeah. You know, the occasional shock. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's super fun. So have you ever had... Mm, and we can kind this out. Maybe it's a bad story. <laughs> Have you ever had any stories gone bad or, yeah, or inappropriate or anything <laughs> wild and crazy? I don't know. Um, yeah. They're, the funniest was a couple that he worked out of town. And I ultimately, looking back, I think their marriage was on the rocks. And oh. so she was trying to spice stuff up. Uh-oh. So she said, you know, when he's coming back to town, I'd like to set up a time where you can really (laughs) have a nice treat, you know, and do his hair, but really take a lot of time and massage his scalp and (laughs) do a beard trim. And and she's kind of talking even sort of sensual. And I'm thinking, uh, I mean, I can do the work stuff. She goes, oh, would you care on a Saturday and I'll bring, you know, I'll maybe bring some meats and cheeses and whatever. And I'm like, I mean, it's hair, so you don't really want it in the food. But I mean, if you want to, and this was early in too, so I was a little naive and like, okay, sure. So when they get here, it's fine. I'm doing my job. But then she starts standing really close to me and she's like rubbing his head, but sort of where my hands are also cutting. And so it's like she's trying to intermingle her arms with mine almost. And she's going, ooh, yeah, just like that. And (gasps) and suddenly I'm thinking, oh, my God, I think I'm part of foreplay and I don't want to be. (laughs) Oh, no, I've never heard that one. So she's doing all the, oh, yeah, just like that. And can you? And I'm like, okay. So then I just get into hyper mode. So my husband's a teacher and da-da-da-da-da. And I have three children, da-da-da-da-da. I'm trying to work. And all of a sudden I'm going, I want you out. I'm hurrying up. And I can see there's one other stylist that's still working. And she is looking at me and giving me eyes. And she's laughing hysterically (laughs) and like walking out of the room so she doesn't like start making it obvious but we're both howling she even i think ended up staying because she's like these guys are freaking me out and i'm not gonna leave you alone oh no so um that yeah that was my most uh awkward like what's happening right now that's pretty awkward yeah so Thankfully, I got out safely. It's good. It's good. <laughs> but yeah, I almost felt like I needed a safe word or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, she sh- yeah. should have had a phone call for you or something. Yeah, something, right? <laughs> Sasparilla. Yeah. Oh, I, God. I just was like, oh, my God. Bubble. There's a personal bubble. <laughs> yeah, it was it was entertaining after the fact, but very awkward <laughs> in the moment. Oh, my God. I'm not even sure how to recover from I that. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I asked the question. It's okay. all good. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> okay, well then why don't we, we'll use this opportunity to segue yeah. in, into a, a fun, entertaining, uh, get your mind off that game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> people are weird. What can we say? Occasionally. What, what do you do? Yep, totally. Okay, so let's play a little game. I like it. If you have uh, listened to any of the uh, previous episodes we played a game with kelly ross called now i referred to it as lightning round because that's what yeah. i learned it as but apparently i've been told it's called this or that oh uh, either one yeah I'll so do we're gonna call it this or that this, this or that. time we could combine okay we will combine it we're gonna do a lightning round of this or that that's right there we go um okay so i have 
a list of items that I will say one or the other, and first thing that comes to your mind, you blurt it out. Okay. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. TV or book? Mm, TV. Movie at home or the theater? Theater. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Winter or summer? Summer. Flip-flops or tennis shoes? Flip-flops. Yoga pants or jeans? Yoga pants. <laughs> Cups in the cupboard, right side up or upside down? Mm, right side up. Passenger or driver? Driver is what I like to be, but I'm often a passenger. <laughs> <laughs> Laundry or dishes? Dishes, I think. Mm. Music or podcast? Podcast. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Phone call or text? Mm, text. Mullet or mutton chops? <laughs> <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Air dry or hair dryer? Mm, hair dryer. Dyed hair or natural colors? Mm, dyed. Short or long? Medium. <laughs> <laughs> Curly or straight? Curly's easier. And that's all I got. That's all good. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed that and got to uh, know a little bit more about Nicole. There you go. All right. So let's transition a little bit. Uh, we've talked about getting into becoming a stylist. Now, with this comes being a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. You are a creative entrepreneur. How does it feel for you to do both sides of that, being the artist and the creator, but then also having to deal with the business side of that. Is that, and maybe it's not a big deal. Is that something that is a natural inclination for you? Or is there kind of a learning curve with that that might be challenging? There's definitely a learning curve. Uh, I do think it comes a little bit more naturally for me just because I, when I think of myself, I don't necessarily always think of myself as a super creative person. I'm I, the the business side comes a little more naturally. Um, I know that I am and I do create, and I love that part. But the I had heard a quote that somebody had said, um, you know, for people that say, "Oh, I'm not a numbers person. I don't know. I can't do it." And basically, the guy said, "Well, build a bridge and get over it." <laughs> <laughs> and so, for me, I, I from the beginning, I thought, "Okay, I'm gonna learn what I have to do." And um, again, because I do have this weird internal competition with mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. and what I do is also numbers based. It's very tangible. You make so much per service that you're providing and so I have numbers every day mm -hmm. and so I would create goals of you know okay this next year I want to make x amount more per day mm. or per week um and so I would have those kinds of things internally to grow and then pursue ways to do that which for me I felt like just honing my skill set was mm -hmm. the most important way that I could sure. do that um, and then, you know, paying attention to the finances and seeking wisdom from people that know what they're talking about more than I do, mm -hmm. specifically about the business part. Yeah, that's always um, important. Which was helpful. Yeah. And so being able to find people that helped me get set up on QuickBooks and all of that. So that way I had a good starting point um, and not bad habits to undo. Mm -hmm. So. No, that's great. Again, I think that had to do with, too, being a little bit older, that I had more awareness mm -hmm. of wanting to start setting up, you know, with good habits to continue rather than having rough things to have to undo and relearn. Mm -hmm. So that's great. And I just, 
I just think it's such an important thing to point out. Again, 30 is not that old, but it is a little bit older in certain industries where Mm -hmm. a lot of people are starting out. And I just think it's so great to go back if if you ever feel like, oh, I missed the boat or I can't do that now or you know, there's things I've always wanted to try, but I feel like I am, I'd be the oldest person in the room that if it's something you really want to do, mm-hmm. and if it's, that's where your passion is and it lights you up, yeah. then you just get over it and do it. Yes. And, and it's not too late that there's always that possibility, yeah. you know, to go back and try it or to do whatever it might be. Cause I, I know that can be a a hindrance for a lot of people, even myself, just, oh, I'm probably like the last person that's going to start a podcast. Should I really do it? Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. No, it's it something doesn't. that is in me that, you know, you want to do. So you just do it. You do. And, you know, whether it's what you think it should be or not, if you're just being faithful yeah. to the passion within you and going after it. Absolutely. And it's really the comparing that pension right. and thought of I need to compare myself somehow that's what's going to kill it. Right. You know, and so really pushing those kinds of thoughts off and not worrying about it. Um, and, and even in the people are going to think this, mm-hmm. they're going to think I, for me, some of it was they're going to think I'm too old or right. they're going to think I'm too vain or they're going to think I'm going to try. I'm trying to be like so and so that everyone else knows right. that does this. Um, and I don't want to be that, mm-hmm. you know, and yet at a certain point, you have to go, yeah, but this is my life right. to live. And really, we all only have one. Mm-hmm. So freaking do it. Yeah. And as soon as I let go of worrying about what everybody was thinking was when I actually felt like I could feel free and be more of who I am mm-hmm. and enjoy it more. Yeah, absolutely. And that, And that I think is so huge, you know, same with for you with writing like who cares what somebody else is thinking Mm -hmm. probably most everyone's thinking that's really awesome (laughs) but we never give ourselves that credit right more often than not we think of all the negative parts or that they're gonna you know all fill in the blank of whatever we think it's other people are thinking and yet in my experience at least thus far more often than not people are actually incredibly impressed and inspired Mm -hmm. by the bravery absolutely and i can't remember who it was i was listening to that was talking about if at the end of your life you're looking back and you have regret that you didn't do it Mm -hmm. then that's your sign to just do it if you're more concerned about what other people are thinking and you waste your life and end up regretting that then that was a a missed opportunity a hundred percent and you have to live with that yeah so don't wait that's true well and that's where like brene brown is so inspiring to me. And the whole, um, she really quotes that uh, man in the arena. Oh, right. Right, quote from Roosevelt. I love it. It's so huge. We have it on the wall in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so incredible. It's such an inspiring quote because it's not the critic who counts. Right. You know, and if you're not willing to be brave and be in the arena, which means sometimes you're going to fail and sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to succeed. And more often than not, it's going to be somewhere in between. Yeah. But if you're not willing to be in the dirt, messing around and trying, then I don't care what you think. Your opinion doesn't matter. Because it's real easy to be afar and stand and not be trying anything and just be judging everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I personally heard that quote and had read some of her stuff too, it just re-lit that fire even more of like, yeah, the critic is not. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and judge. Yep. 
and to enjoy the freedom of being brave. That's awesome. So I have a question from the studio audience. (laughs) (laughs) My 10-year-old wanted to ask a question. Mm, She's not here right now. But she previously asked if um, you have a favorite hairstyle that you like to do. I don't necessarily have a favorite. I really do like doing total makeover styles because this is such a crude comparison, but it's like cleaning a really dirty bathroom (laughs) or cleaning something that's really dirty and cluttery. And like all of a sudden it's amazing. And it's like this whole other look. Like I love that because it feels so successful. That's awesome. Um, Which is, I'm so lame. That's such a lame comparison, but I literally think about that. But it's a huge visual. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) But that's so cool. And I actually even envy that a little bit because with writing books, it takes so long. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to get the satisfaction of the end product. I mean, of course, it's also about the the writing and the process it's of the it process. that I do love. Yes. But, you know, if I could do all of that in a few hours and have this finished beautiful product, that Yes. It's so <laughs> successful feeling. Yes, yeah. That's so satisfying. It's amazing. It is. It that's the one thing I will say that is somewhat unique at least in what I do that's so very different from what Mm -hmm. you do and I do I do love that part because I am so goal-oriented that I love having this end result that is immediate and tangible and done and I don't typically have like work to take home with me right you know like <laughs> nope it's done you're done goodbye you know I didn't wake up in the middle of the night thinking about a different yeah. style I could have done well, or, well I, maybe I, I do. can be <laughs> compulsive about that I can do that sometimes I will wake up and go oh I wish I would have done one more thing or I wonder how that looked the next day or whatever that. yeah nerdy because I'm a nerd but yes but it is a way it is helpful it is a it is a in and out and you feel done and accomplished well and variety because you could go from a man with a short cut to then a woman with a totally different i mean you have so many different varieties within a day it's very true even cutting similar styles but to their face shape and Mm -hmm. to their it can look completely different which is part of the fun yeah yeah oh i love that it does keep it moving it makes the day go really fast that's for sure oh i bet do you have a um an opinion on the best style and the worst styles? Like maybe, I know this might even span over airs. Are there, is there like, oh my God, that was like the worst hairstyle ever? <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the mullet. Occasionally I'll still see them with super hipstery people <laughs> and they can kind of pull it off, yeah. which is impressive. But in general, that's not uh, that's not really my favorite. Honestly, a lot of the style uh, that was rough was stuff that was before there was a lot of product, mm-hmm. a lot of um, there wasn't a lot of knowledge about color, mm-hmm. and so for example, growing up in the eighties, mm. I had naturally curly hair, but they didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> So they permed it and then it would look like a poodle and they had, you know, no diffusers. It was just power dry it. So it was just awesomely frizzy and huge and horrible. Oh my horrible. gosh. Why would they perm all my I curl don't hair? Know, because why not? So those kinds of things. Yes. Oh goodness. <laughs> I mean, I had wavy hair and we permed it, but sure. not like yours no. is curly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And so then, you know, there was just a lack of product and a lack of knowledge and, when they didn't know what to do with it, 
in the 80s a lot, they would say, well, why don't we perm it? <laughs> so these really awesome, tight, permed, curled, <laughs> like, poodle bangs. Poodle bangs. Really horrific. Oh, wow. Which is awesome to add to, like, preteen awkwardness anyway. Oh, of course. Yeah. Why not? Keeping it, keeping it alive. Yeah, let's throw Ooh. it all on there. That's right. Oh, that's funny. And one thing I love about Nicole is, and and I'm pretty sure this is not just for me alone because we're friends, but she will tell you <laughs> if it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll bring a picture or, you know, an idea. No, that's not going to go well with you. <laughs> but I appreciate the honesty because then I, we don't go through all of the work and all the trouble just to end up hating it in the end. And um, so... If you're out there and you're looking for a stylist, come to Nicole or find one that will be honest with you. <laughs> it's true. I w- I have found, though, that people either love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, they either love that quality or they're, they're like, like no, you are not the one for me. <laughs> Which is fine, because I am not for everyone. And that was a lesson I had to learn, too. But, uh, yeah. Now, I usually will also say, if you really still want to do it, then we can talk about it and I can do it. But... If, uh, you know, usually I'll talk through the why. Why, yeah. This is maybe not an awesome idea. Like when my husband tried to get you to perm my hair again. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm still not really sure if he was serious or not. I don't know either. But we just looked at him like, what? (laughs) It was hilarious. It was hilarious. You know, definitely one of those, like, I remember really thinking that was awesome. Yeah. No. Anyways. Yeah, he's a cutie. So funny. Fun times. Absolutely. Okay, so... If anyone is looking for styling tips or mm. um, just different hairstyles to look at, yeah, they can find you on Instagram at yep. Stylist Nicole. Is yep. that right? Absolutely. Yep, definitely. Send me a message or any of that too. I'd be happy to help. Because you do put tips on there. I will. Um, yep. Yeah, she's got some tips and fun, you know, pictures of cuts and styles and. Yeah, and I can definitely direct you. I I go in and out of how good I am on there. So, but I'm always accessible i just don't always post things got it yeah well thank you so much for being here with us today thank you and we're gonna try and get nicole to come back to the studio because she has um another side passion if you will it is a passion yeah um where she has been diving into the enneagram what do we call it all the information all of the yeah it's a personality typing system basically but yes based on motivation i am still a little bit um not understanding at all so we are going to bring her back and we are going to dive into it and maybe even you know diagnose me (laughs) we'll kind of see what we can come up with because i've heard of quite a few people who are like i'm vaguely familiar with what that is but Mm -hmm. would like to learn more yeah so uh, she is is my resident expert. That would be awesome if you would come back. Yes, I will. So, well, thanks so much for chatting today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.